0: Wonderful. Well, we're uh, talking about uh, Purpose Driven Life. We're continuing our series uh, on the Purpose Driven Life. So I've got my own uh, book here. There's four books at the back. If you don't have one yet, make sure you um, grab one. They're, they cost us $15, but feel free. Just I would love for those books just to go uh, and to go into someone's hand and to do the daily readings. There's so much to be found and to enjoy in the uh, daily readings. I'm sure each of us who has picked it up has found something quite significant to reflect over. Uh, And it's the big questions in life that this series is all about. The questions of purpose. Who am I? What am I here for? What's God got me here for? Those questions about significance. And of course, it's it's all about trying to ensure that our purpose, our drive, our, our life Uh, is focused on God, the things of God, worshipping God, bringing God pleasure by what we do. That's what we've been talking about the last week, that we were made for God's pleasure to worship Him, to love Him. And this week, I'm not sure I've got the clicker, uh, guys. Uh, If it's available, that's great. Uh, The Purpose Driven Life, we'll go to the next slide, week three, that's it. You were formed for God's family. We have a purpose in life, and that is to belong. Uh, so look around. Who we are. Here we are. God's family. People. Uh, men, women, boys, girls. We are all part of God's family. And part of God's purpose is for us to belong. To truly belong. To love each other. To care for each other. God created us to fit in to a church family so we are to belong oh okay you run that up to belong tell me what does it mean to belong because we can say oh, you belong here we can use some words but surely it's more than just words we we can say to each other you belong but is that is that what belonging's all about just a couple of words what would you say belonging is to truly belong particularly in the context of a, of a church family. To feel included, yep. Participation, yes. Yes, we identify, yes. Yes, so it's, it's viewing our church family as, as a family and that's a good link to, to make because quite often there's a disconnect between our own families at home and, and a church family. Um, how that's a different appearance. Um, Anything else that people would add to what it means to belong? Yeah. Yeah, so, yep. Yes. Yeah, so there's different things that we would probably share, but it, it comes back to it being a reality that God's in our midst and it matters to be here, that it is important that we realize God's love while we're here um, and that it's a safe place, a safe place. Belonging in a family is about belonging safely so that we can engage in the things of God and grow. Um, Belonging is important because as we belong, uh, it, it, it impacts how we engage with church and how we engage with each other. Because there's a reality that we belong to God's big family. Every single person that claims allegiance to Jesus, they're our brothers and sisters. We have brothers and sisters all through the world. Brothers and sisters in persecuted countries who are doing it tough. And we have brothers and sisters right here amongst us, here in Korowa. And as we look at the purpose-driven life, the, the focus is on belonging to God's family here in the local church, belonging to God's family here at Coroa Baptist Church. God has formed you, he has formed me to belong here as a part of this church, as a part of God's family here. In the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, we read these words about belonging. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, We look around, we're not foreigners and strangers, are we? We're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. What unites us? It's our faith. It's Jesus. That's what unites us. That's what makes us members of a family, of this family, we are members of the household, which is highlighted there, that God's households. And that's what we're trying to be here at Cora Baptist. We're God's household here, trying to encourage each other. Each of us are unique. Each of us have our own giftings. But the aim is that we work together for the good of God's church. We join in together. We belong and we encourage. Any good family has something that is so essential. Every good family shows love. There are plenty of bad families out there where love is nowhere present. But a good family is full of love. And that's exactly what we should be here. At Chiroir Baptist, we're all about love. Loving each other helping each other out through whatever life throws at our way. We have that genuine concern and we try to build each other up, point each other to the things of God because we know the things of God last. An extremely well-known Bible reference in John 13, 34 and 35. These are words from Jesus' mouth. A new command I give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another it's pretty clear isn't it it's a very clear request made of us and what is that command for us to do it's to love to love each other to truly value our brothers and sisters, our family here, to love with an incredible love, we're to love like who loved? Jesus loved. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty challenged right now to think that I could love each of you in such an incredible way. But that's that's the aim. That's the target. To to love in that sacrificial way that Jesus loved to give of himself. Well, there's different Greek words for love, agape and the other ones as well. But the essence of love is how we know it, what love is. It's, it's, it's what Jesus showed to us. But the reality is, is that as we show love to each other, others will notice. We know that. If we truly love each other, people outside will say, what's that community you're a part of that group, they seem to actually genuinely care about you and they seem to, to love. What's going on there? It's a light to others when we truly love. And we know that, but the challenge for us is to do it, to love. And that means giving up, sacrificing of ourselves to show that love. Another verse. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We have been freed through the mighty name of Jesus to love to love God as we've been saying, but of course to love each other, to be driven to, to help each other, to, to do what God would have us do here, to have a church family that's all about love. It is so clear and it's such a strong call in the Bible. And I know, I want to thank you for the love we have in this community. It's a good thing, I'm sure that we can all relate that at some stage we've experienced love in this community here but I think that we could grow. I think we, we, we're a step in the right direction, but just imagine what this community could be if we were further along in the love stakes. It'd be beautiful. It's something for us to, to visage and to step into and move forward into. It's a beautiful picture to be a community of love because that's what God's all about. We could be a community that genuinely values what God has asked of us, and what he cares about us to love. That challenge, of course, digs deep because there's all sorts of things that come up. And there's a few reminders. And as you go through the book, if you're able to pick up the book this week, I want to keep encouraging you to keep going. Stick with it. When we get to day 19, the rubber really starts to hit the road because it challenges our lives greatly. I love this book because it's so practical. And in day 19, it's about enhancing our community, enhancing or cultivating what is here. And one of the well, the key point that comes through is that community requires commitment. I've put up the picture there of, of foot washing, that of course Jesus set the perfect example for doing. As the ultimate Lord, he humbled himself down to serve others with that, basic medial cleaning task of, of washing people's feet. But what a challenge for us to think about our commitments. Our commitment to this community of faith, of believers here. If this community is going to be full of love, it requires us to commit, to buy in, to participate. If it's going to thrive, it requires all of us joining in and making a commitment. We read about this in God's Word in 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. These words are talking about sacrifice, of giving of ourselves to bless our brothers and sisters. It's a mighty challenge to put our whole hearts into serving one another. It's a mighty challenge. It's us giving for the benefit of, of each other. And it requires commitments. It requires us joining in and, and, and putting energy and effort in to this community, into this church. It's not all about a couple of leaders up the fronts. It's about all of us joining in, all of us participating. And that takes us to the quotes from day 19, from Rick Warren, and I'm going to ask you if you agree with this or not. It takes both God's power and our effort to produce a loving Christian community. What do you think? So one of those we just receive that's God's power, He blesses us in all sorts of ways. We get His love and His Spirit inside us, but there's still something that we need to step into, if we're actually going to have a loving community here the way that God would have it be, it means that we need to put effort in. We need to be committed. We need to get involved. Step into what is asked. Now, I know um, lots of people here do volunteer and I thank you so much for what you do. And there's also a reality that we need to remember that volunteering is on top of other things in our lives. People can't commit 100% of their time to the life of the church here. But still, there is so much we can put in. And I know that when we do put in, when we do serve, it is very rewarding. We know God is involved. And as lots of people put into God's family, that's when the body becomes healthy. When many people are contributing together for good. When we're each truly loving and engaging. Every contribution matters. So once again, thank you for your contributions over the last year. Everyone here I know has contributed something to the life of our church. But what a challenge to go a little bit further, to engage a bit more and to to, to give to our church. Now there is a big issue in family and that's brokenness. As we get close to people, there's different personality types. Whether we like it or not, there are, everyone is unique in this building and we like different things and we hate different things. There are things that we would have happen in a certain way for us to enjoy it and then other people like it done in a different way. So as we continue... And it's beautiful to talk about love, but the reality, not only in in, in domestic situations, but in the church setting as well. There are times when disagreements will come about, and those disagreements sometimes can lead to arguments, and sometimes they can lead to quite serious conflict in the church family. But let us remember that we are called to reconcile. We're called not to sit in that conflict, to grow through it, to work at it, to bring about peace, to bring about the ways of God's, not just to dwell in it. Rick Warren makes a good point that it's actually quite healthy when we experience a bit of angst. It means that we're getting to know people a bit deeper and a bit better and we're starting to, to truly be open. But it's about working together for good through those disagreements not letting it fester away and becoming a a huge problem. Restoring broken relationships. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We've been forgiven, so what do we do? We forgive. That's core to the gospel. If we believe the good news of Jesus, it means we've been forgiven, so we forgive. God has reconciled himself to us, or helped us to be reconciled to him through Jesus, as it says there. So what does that mean for us? Who are we to reconcile with? Each other. It's very clear that we are to strive towards making peace. There's practical steps that we can do about that, but quite often it involves taking the first step. Rather than just saying, oh, I can't deal with this person and start talking about them to others, we take the, st- the first step to the person that we're having an, a, a conflict with or an issue with and we talk about it. We, we engage in that space and we, we seek to bring about Jesus into that relationship because we know, I've got another quote to see whether you agree with or not, that relationships are always worth restoring. What do you think? In the church family, do you think they're always worth restoring? Yeah, I would completely agree and there might be someone that that for some reason they do something or they say something and 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 it rubs us the wrong way. It gets us a bit worked up. It happens. This is life. We're people trying to do things, and it happens. It's a reality. But those relationships are always worth restoring. God hasn't given up on a single person here, and we shouldn't either. God loves each of us so much. And so too, we should take those steps. It's never easy to take that first step. In fact, it's incredibly hard. If if we've ever had a disagreement with someone, it's hard to take that first step. But it always works out so well when we do, when we work through the problems. Has anyone been through that? Can anyone relate to that? Yes? Good. That's Friday's reading. Maybe Friday's going to be a lot of phone calls (laughs) of restoration. May it be so, if there is major issues. Now day 21 is Saturday that we're coming into and it is big. I'm excited about this day because it's about us valuing and protecting our church, Coro Baptist Church. It's about us having a heart to say what is here matters and I want to see what is here protected because it's of value. Here at Coro Baptist Church, we know that we're all about We're about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And we want that to be central to this community here in Corowa. We want that to be a reality. And so we care about unity. We care about there being a a unity amongst us as God's people. And we want what is here to remain. And we want it to more than remain, we want it to to thrive. We want our church family to be going forward ahead in God's speed and in His ways. And so we read this in Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since you are members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Out of that heart of thanks out of what Jesus has done we experience peace and we are peacemakers. And so we try to protect our church from within. This is talking about amongst ourselves, protecting the church, because it's very easy to get disillusioned or negative, to have a critical spirit and to see something that we don't particularly fancy and that we, we, we jump on it. It's very easy to say negative words. It's a lot harder to work to bring about positive change and to bring about the things that God would have be In the community. So there's a number of very practical suggestions that are made by Rick Warren and I think that these are things that we could all grow in as we try to value uh, and protect our church. The first one is that we focus on what we have in common. This is a powerful, powerful tool. Let's look to Jesus and what we have in common and all of a sudden the things that are are challenging to us, become quite small in relation to what we have in common. It disarms some of the minor disagreements we could have by focusing on all that we share. The second one is to be realistic in our expectations. We all have expectations. I have expectations about what you can achieve in the church family, and you have a lot of expectations about me as a pastor. I'm paid, So obviously, everything is a bit different in this situation. But we need to be realistic. I'm still a person. I'm still on a journey. I'm still trying to grow in my faith. I'm by no means perfect. No. <laughs> but I have some wonderful godly examples like you, David, that we can uh, look to. I need encouragements. I can't get every decision right 100% of the time. I'm very open to... Uh, words of encouragement and correction if they're required. But we need to be realistic about what I can achieve, about what Noah can achieve, what our leaders can achieve, but also realistic about what each other can achieve uh, in the church family. Each of us has got stuff going on. Uh, and if we if we realise what's truly going on in the life, there's reasons why people maybe can't be here on a Sunday or there's, there's reasons why things are happening and we need to be realistic about what we're asking people to do Um, that's a reality the next one is to choose to encourage not to criticize that's a choice we have to make we can all pick up on negatives every day and we can all take a negative spirit into church or we can choose to encourage to say positive words And we all know, I'm sure we've heard it before, it takes at least three to five good words to to, to downplay the negative words because the negative stuff sticks and it pulls us down. So good on you for coming to church today. I want to encourage you. But let's have a culture here as we protect our church to encourage one another. Sometimes it's an effort just to make it to church and we should encourage people not to have that negative spirit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it does. It's, it's a reality. Yes. Yes, well, everyone has to analyse that. Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words never hurt me. We all know it's the opposite. Uh, That was that school yard riddle or rhyme or whatever we used to say. It's just not true, that's all. Uh. (laughs) Yes. Words do hurt, particularly from people we love. I guess if there's someone that we know out there who, who we're maybe we're fighting with, maybe we expect it. But when it's our own loving family and they come with harsh words, it's hard. It can really get under our skin. And maybe that's a, require, that's a, that's a, a, a check before we go and say a negative word that we check our words and just say, well, is it the, really the right time to say this word? Is it really the right time? Because yes, loving response at times corrects people, it's still truth in love. But yeah, is it is it time to pull down? You've just got to think through that. The next one, refuse to listen to gossip. Churches are destroyed by gossip. That's the reality. People start talking negatively about each other and they start telling lies and bits and pieces and it quickly destroys a church. A loving community can quickly be destroyed and it's a sad, sad reality. Rick Warren's very clear on that in the material um, that many churches have been destroyed through gossip. It's sad. But once again, we need to watch our words and the the reminder here is not only to not speak gossip, but it's even to, to stop people when we feel that there is gossip going on. Just say, look, not right now, thanks. I don't want to listen to this. You should talk to that person directly, not to me. Sometimes, yeah, we just need to encourage people to to be reconciled and to go to the person. And the other thing about protecting the church is support your pastors and leaders. I've already talked about that in terms of be realistic about your expectations. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. I value that and, and the leaders of the church do as well. Um, but I'd love for you to keep going and to do a bit more, uh, to keep helping us out. Um, As I said, I'm a work in progress. We all are. But yeah, one way that Satan loves to get in and and disrupt churches is to attack the leadership. And as soon as the leadership is is fighting and falling apart, no one wants to be a part of a church where the leaders are, are fighting. Protecting our church. What a vision for the future if our church was full of love and that means we need to value, belong and protect what we have and strive for a better community. There's a lot of wisdom in the material this week. A lot of practical things that we can do. I think it would be amazing if we could strive to be that church that God's made us to be. Full of love, full of His power amongst us, full of Him doing only what God can do. Can you see that church? We can just stop for a moment. Imagine that church full of love, full of the goodness of God. Let's pray.